Foodie Films is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Hey there, foodie fans, and welcome back to another episode of Foodie Films. Of course, this is your host, your chef de cinema cuisine, Kyle Reinfried. Are you getting sick of my voice yet? Are you? Are you going to start getting sick of my face? Yes, because that's right. I just even, I just slammed my desk for you. I have a YouTube page. Dun, dun, dun. Started making some video content for you guys. I hope you're checking it out. And as I said on the uh, first clip, the first kind of the prologue episode, I went to New Orleans, the Big Easy, Crescent City. I gotta stop saying all those things. New Orleans, my favorite city. New York City will always be my city, but really, New Orleans, you have my heart. I'm also, I live in Jersey City. I love Jersey City. But New Orleans, I, I don't know what it is about you. I, I get there, and I and I don't want to leave, and when I leave, I want to go right back. Uh, you're just a magical place. Be, you know, of course, the food, the music is just, I mean, bar none, just, uh, I mean, my favorite. You gotta, you gotta, yeah, you gotta be into jazz, and you gotta be into the, the Creole, the Cajun, you know, and seafood, but uh, this, this city, I mean... You go there, and the people are the nicest people. Um, I just have a conversation with everybody. I say hello to everybody, and they say they say hi back. It's just a magical place. You know, when I went, it wasn't a lot of film around, but there was. I, I went to a lot of places that were TV-related, a lot of places that I've seen on like documentary shows, such as uh, Ugly and Delicious, Somebody Feed Phil, no reservations, uh, all all those great shows, and just such amazing food. I posted so many food pictures, and even more are going to be posted. But it is a, it is a city that has also had a lot of great films take place in it, and uh, specifically even Nick Cage. You know, I'm part of the Cage Club podcast network, and that's where uh, one of his residences is. And so I, I think next time I go back, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to go maybe find some you know famous uh, locations that have been filmed. I mean, I, I went to, I'm walking around the streets, I'm sure I was on plenty of streets that they filmed. I went to the uh, the Lafayette Cemetery, which I believe had a scene in the movie Double Jeopardy. So, I mean, I'm sure I've been to these places, but I really want to go back and I want to I really explore them a little bit more. 
But w what a trip, just a tremendous trip, and I'm really having fun, and hopefully my, uh, you know, uh, you guys are having fun watching, uh, and checking, watching the videos and checking out these photos. So thank you very much for that, and thank you for your support thus far in, uh, on my YouTube excursion, and of course always on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and all that good stuff. But, uh, again, please check us out on, you know, you can rate us on iTunes, and that's why I'm an Apple guy, but I'm sure on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, uh, and then leave comments on cageclub.me, that's cageclub.me. So just contact us, and we want to, we want to, we're having fun already, but if we can have more fun and, I don't know, just reach out to you guys in a better way, or maybe give you some more content that you want to listen, please, please let us know. So, uh, without further ado, well, I just want to also, yeah, before the, this episode begins, I've got, uh, it's, it's fun. It's another two person episode, but this is a kind of different. This is, I have one new person and one, uh, old person or one person, one person that's been on the podcast a couple times already. And that's my former, well, actually, no, still my current podcast co-host, but that's a different podcast. P.S. I still love Hoffman. We had P.S. I love Hoffman and now we've gone back and we're re-watching. Uh, it's fun. We're having you guys vote. So foodie fans, go on to, I'm, I'm sure I usually share it, but check out P.S. I love Hoffman on Facebook and Twitter, on Instagram, and we give you two options once a month and you vote on what film you'd like us to watch again and it's kind of like a dvd commentary so you get to you know start the movie and listen to us talk so we're we're right there with you and actually i believe today we're going to uh so check it out we're going to announce what film we're covering for march and that was either ides of march or god's pocket so i think ides of march is a bit more appropriate. I mean, it's got the name March in the title, so uh, let's see what happens there. But so far, we've covered Boogie Nights and Punch Drunk Love. So will it be Eyes of March or God's Pocket? I think I said God's Pocket for Lent. Ha ha ha. But uh, anyway, this episode, like I said, Brian Rodriguez and the second guest, the, the newest uh, guest to the Foodie Films podcast, John Harden, a friend, an actor, a thespian, and uh, we have a fun time talking uh, my dinner with Andre. I'm saying oh, a lot this episode. I'm, I'm just, uh, my mind is still in New Orleans, so I apologize for this. But again, check out my adventures on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and now YouTube. And as I said before, but now I mean it, without further ado, my dinner with Andre, with John, with Brian. On my way up, was like I don't know if I have more than ten minutes to say about this, but I'm sure I'm wrong. Well, that's also why it's good that we're you know there's th there's also then three of us here to talk about. It. Yeah, and again, your show's more of a jamboree anyway. A jamboree. <laughs> I love a good really a jamboree. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's yeah, we're doing. Show. I'm doing. I do somersaults. Yeah, half of the time. Adult jamboree it definitely exists in Brooklyn. Oh yeah, Brooklyn. Definitely. Brooklyn. Yeah, they're called yeah. rock climbing gyms. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's what that's it is. What, no, but I'm talking about like people, like yeah. adults in leotards tumbling on on the ground. And yeah, um, I have taken an adult gymnastics class. Well, I'm not I did not articulate the consonants in those words well, <laughs> but I have taken an adult gymnastics class. Well, whiskey but, in the morning will do that to you, John. Um, it was <laughs> actually really fun, and I learned how to do a front handspring. But I feel like that's, that's applicable that's much... for your trade. 
Well, no, but that's even just more. (laughs) (laughs) That's more like that's more goal oriented than just like a. You know, like, that yeah. checkmate makes me want to flip. <laughs> <laughs> but so, yeah, like New Jersey suburbs has like hatchet throwing, mm-hmm. and Brooklyn has yeah, Brooklyn adult chimbury. Apparently, oh okay, hatchet, hatchet throwing I, is a I very yeah, yeah, I just found out some very fun news, which is that um, so as you both already know, I I booked uh, a gig in Boston, where I will be uh, playing Mercutio and Romeo and Juliet. But the fun news is one of my friends works at the axe-throwing bar that just opened up in Boston. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I've heard about it several times and been intrigued, and now it's like, oh, yeah, Gabe just got a job there. Axe-throwing bars are the save the room. What do you call well, it? Escape, 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 escape the room. Yeah, escape yeah. the room of our generation. Yeah. Well, now there's like a horror movie coming coming out called Escape Room, so like three years from now, we should make the ha- axe throwing, the hatchet throwing movie. Yeah, let's get on it it's now. It's called The Patriot. Let's see, it's called The Patriot, and it's, very... and it's what every person <laughs> trying to become an American citizen should watch. <laughs> yes. uh, Despite it not starring in America. He is in America, he was born in America. Okay, but but he's an Australian, his son in the movie is an Australian. Rest in peace, Heath Ledger. Rest in Reese. Wow. This is going to go well. <laughs> yeah. This thank God go I got well. you the coffee. One, yeah. We're one running on Duncan, true uh, New England beverage. We just, I went out <laughs> last night with one of my friends and had one. One sake, of your friends? And somehow it was. Yeah. What, did, you have many, a, did you have a conversation friends. about like existential? I did think of, about yeah. this film <laughs> quite a bit yeah. while we were out having dinner. Um, we talked more lightly. Well, okay. So one of the things. Well, let me just say right now, yes. uh, ladies and gentlemen, yes. you're hearing the illustrious voice of John Harden. That was a, a bit, we were just, I just started recording and it was a good cold open, but we've got John Harden here and of, and you should know the, the voice, uh, the soothing, verbose voice of uh, Brian Rodriguez. He seemed like you were for like forgetting my name. No. That's what it's happened, you know. Yeah, we're all forgetting words. Brian, don't be ridiculous. <laughs> Look at that improv. Yeah. You're like Andre. In yes, his improv. And no, sorry, so, yes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> go on. I like go it. on. That was, yeah. No, 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 no. So, 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 so no, but I just, I just wanted to, <laughs> I just wanted to throw it in. So, who, who, whose voices you're hearing right now? But please continue with. What and you're I should saying. say that you're hearing your voice. Kyle well, yes, uh, yeah. Well, I've said that in, in the beginning, <laughs> in my, my usual cold open. <laughs> it's my former co-host. For you right there. Who, who are you both? <laughs> and can we loosen up this zip tie? <laughs> Just a little. All right. So you're having you're out with a friend, pontificating life. Well, um, there were a couple of different things. One of them was that uh, I had actually initially talked to him about hanging out and watching this movie. Ah. Um, because I did need to have it watched by this morning, and. Um, you know, he, he eventually declined, but that was our original plan. So I, I watched it on my own. Um, thank God, technology these days is incredible. I downloaded an entire film onto my iPhone. Awesome. And was able to watch it during downtime over the last two days on the subway and stuff. By the way, what I'm going to do from now on, if I'm ever lucky enough to be a guest again. Um, <laughs> watch the film? Yeah, it's usually yeah. Um, something that Kyle suggests. Uh, 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 yeah. A bit of a requirement. <laughs> no, you clod. Watch it on my phone because I don't have a lot of downtime these days, but I do have a tremendous amount always uh, from 
uh, riding between clients' homes and things. I like also that. watched it on York. the subway. Yeah. Ah, look at and I, I could tell it, it's a great it's a great subway watch because the scenes <laughs> don't change. You know, it's, it's stationary, right. yeah. and people think you're very very smart on the train. So yeah. your your modern day Wallace Shaw's on your subway ride, enjoying pretty much, and you're you're the Andre today. I'm the Andre. Yes, I've <laughs> my... always thought of you as somewhat Andre Gregory like. <laughs> exactly. I have been known to disappear into Polish forests. Yes, time, time, that is true. Yes. and there was that time that you had Brian and me bury you alive <laughs> on Long Island. <laughs> I I'm into kinky stuff. <laughs> but uh Were you going to tell a story though about this dinner? I was just I was going to <laughs> say I think just that yes, it did make me more aware of having this conversation <laughs> with my friend having mm-hmm. watched this movie about a conversation with a friend and one of the things that we opened with in our dinner conversation was I sat down and immediately began unloading my day, <laughs> right? The, the, the difficulties of it, my existential crises, my wondering what to do with the rest of my life and what's working, what's not working. And at one point interrupted myself and looked at him and said, I just, I said, I've never been very good at the hi, how are you? And he said, that's fine. I hate small talk in every way. <laughs> you know? And we both sort of shared a moment over that about that we are both... Um, people who have no patience for the kind of polite banalities that you get into at a lot of parties. And, and, and <laughs> yes, polite banality is very much a phrase that belongs in this film. <laughs> you chose the right guest. I, but um, specifically, um, the discussion that they have in the film about performing and about performing yourself. Um, and and so that was something that connected very naturally since my friend had not watched the movie. Mm-hmm. But in our conversation last night was this idea that I'm not going to show up at a dear friend's house and start performing how I'm doing before yeah. I get into real things. That's never been who I am, and I can't abide it in other people. I want to just tell you what's really going on um, and attempt to connect that way um, on maybe a more genu- genuine level, but certainly a less you know pleasant uh, <laughs> surfacey yeah anyway you get the idea and that was that was something that particularly resonated for me watching this when i watched it you just need to keep talking for the next like 30 minutes with just us going really how far <laughs> like, that's, that's, tell me more tell me about more. that yeah, yeah. Uh, inconceivable sorry. he does uh, say inconceivable yeah, once. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. i did notice that immediately so so we're talking my dinner with andre and giant. yeah my uh, andre the giant no uh, done that. and this is a very famous independent film from 1981 i mean this is what what did you guys did you like number one? Did did either of you like this film? Had you had you seen it before? I'd seen half of it before. Ah, yes. And that's why I'm here today. Yes. Long story short, again, because I feel like we've shared it on the Coming to America episode, and but maybe people are popping into. Yeah, sure, maybe popping into this. So this is part two. How many parts are there going to be again? At least at least four of the four. My. My dinner, dinner series, we're calling it. So we had with, with my dinner with Hervé. So yes, Brian is, is a little 
like kind of I don't know it's series my of mini podcast inside Stop. his podcast. Yes, I like Brian being inside. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, and wow, <laughs> not for this show. Yeah, that's uh, the finale. <laughs> it's Ten in the morning. But we've we've covered uh, my dinner with Hervé, and now it's my dinner with Andre, and then we're gonna have like two other films in the future, and they're just it's the my dinner series. And so for for this one, we this was going to be the first episode that you were going to be on, and we both started watching it and kind of messaged one another at the same time. Almost and, the same time. And just went, this is a movie for John. Like, this like, is... We need John Harden on John, this. John, the, tr- the true thespian that we know him to be, this is... We need... Or not to be. Or not, <laughs> wow, laser accuracy. Well done. Laser well done. accuracy. When I don't have to host, I'm just here for the zingers. Yes. <laughs> Morning talk with <laughs> the douche. <laughs> That must make me Skipper. <laughs> Together we're Skipper and the douche. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, the, the, so, so yeah, so then that's that, that's the history behind it. So you had seen, so you starting it the first time yeah. was the first time you were ever watching it. Yes. I mean, I've heard of it, yes. of course. It's a movie that's always on my list. It's on a lot of people's lists as like one of the better, just, I don't know, at least independent films and just... But I think you and I were both in agreement that we thought it was just more a pithy fun dinner conversation than yes what it ended up being so once we sat down and saw it it was like oh okay but i i enjoyed it i love things like this and you know what it reminded me of very ironically a podcast that's right there like yep. a podcast <laughs> <laughs> it was just like watching a podcast it, was, it really was which also made it like you said like great subway movie because if you took your eyes off the screen i'm sure you're missing some movements here or there but it's not like for instance, um, today for my podcast, I'm yeah. recording um, about a film called We Need to Talk About Kevin. I don't know if you've seen it, but Tilda Swinton, oh, yeah, yeah, very yeah. little dialogue, a lot of things happening, you know? Mm-hmm. That's a movie I can't be folding my laundry watching, you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this film, not that I love the movement, especially Andre Gregory's movements, but it's the listening, you know? It's like oh, we're yeah. at the table, so I really enjoyed it. I like movies like this. It was cool. Yeah, I I enjoyed it as well. Um, It's funny because my response to it changed as the movie progressed. Um, And some of this um, is going to probably get ahead of itself. And there's, you know, other things that we can talk about by themselves in greater length. But um, specifically, my first reactions, first of all, a brilliant man. Wallace Shawn has got to be one of the ugliest human beings that anybody ever put <laughs> on I feel like he's better looking like today. Um, he definitely aged into himself. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I've met Wallace Shawn and, and found him very interesting and, and I'm happy to talk about that uh, that experience for what it was. Oh, please do. Um, he, he came to my acting school. I went to the Stella Adler Studio of Acting and he came and, and spoke with the acting students there and he was fascinating and I read one of his plays... Um, called, I think, The Fever, um, which is like this in that it is primarily an exploration of ideas and discussion of various themes rather than narrative-driven. Yeah. Um, not at all what I expected. I'd never seen this film, so I wouldn't have had that context. Um, but, you know, one of the funniest things about my experience meeting Wallace Shawn was that he said to a very disappointed group of young actors that he, to this day, doesn't really get Princess Bride. <laughs> doesn't really... He's like, they told me to do those things, and uh, yeah. I did them. 
I never really uh, understood oh, why it was great. funny. Yeah, that was just you Rob know? Reiner eating like a ham sandwich, directing him or something. Yeah, that's uh, great. Right? You know <laughs> that he just like didn't crush your dreams. It. And you know who's in that movie? Uh, Andre Eels. the Giant. Oh, Andre the yes. Giant. Yeah. Family Guy did uh, my dinner with Andre oh, really? the Giant. Yeah, uh, too easy spoof. Yeah, exactly. It's right. It's right there. You would expect Family Guy to pick Someone it up. had to have done. Yeah, it, exactly. So I'm not surprised it the, was Family Guy. The cartoon reference that I want to make is the Simpsons episode in which Martin is seen at the video game arcade playing my dinner with Andre, the video game. Oh my god! And it shows perfect. the controller that he's using, and I don't remember what all of the options are, but one of them is, I'm gonna, I don't speak French, but it's like bon mot, you know, like yeah. utter it, like, you know, bon mot and tell me more. And he literally, he literally leans into the screen and goes, tell me more, and it's up. You know, Uh-oh. it's the most, like, I just think someone needs to make that game. <laughs> and maybe someone has made some dumb app that version. That is great. That um, is great. One of the worst insults I ever got was, I remember being in, like, middle school, and some kid being like, you remind me of that one character from, like, The Simpsons. I'm just like, oh, which one? He's like, uh, Martin. I'm like, what? <laughs> Martin? Yeah, I'm like, what? Like, even that, I was just like, I'm even more, I'm more Ralphie than Martin. Yeah. Which is not a compliment. <laughs> But, like, at least choose me. I mean, Martin says at one point, spring forth my burly protector and I save have me. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, if anything, you I'm are the, the epitome of the burly protector. <laughs> like, if I were to say such a thing, yeah. you were who I would want to appear. <laughs> spring forth my burly protector. You got you got uh, yeah. a problem here? What's going on? <laughs> it's okay. Uh, so a few things about this film. It's directed by Luis. Um, he's French, so I'm a, 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 We're all assuming a lot you of pronounce it instead of Louis Malley. Probably Louis Malley. Probably Louis. Louis. Yeah, Louis. Louis, Louis Malley. Probably oh, yeah, not Louis Guzman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. There you go. Uh, yeah. So he's a he's a French filmmaker. He was uh, one of his earliest. It's. I, th- I find it very ironic because the cinematography, well, I mean, it's pretty, I mean, I, I, I really didn't I count it, but what, there's a wide shot and then the, and then the, you've got two singles and then every once in a while when the waiter comes. Point being, cinematography, not exuberant, but one of his earliest jobs, he was uh, hired by Jacques Cousteau as Ooh. a camera operator, and according to Jacques Cousteau, he's the best underwater filmmaker he ever dealt with. Mm, so, wow, and that's a large community. Yeah. <laughs> Got Jacques Cousteau and Steve Zissou. Uh, and that's how, that's how well I know the underwater filming community. I mean, it's high one praise. Is, one is the f- most famous one, and one is fictitious. It's incredibly uh, high praise, and Jacques Cousteau is amazing, but I just don't... Yeah, as far yeah. as how what many people am- are there doing sidebar, that Sidebar, what an amazing person Jacques Cousteau is to... We're still talking about him today. He's been long dead, and he pretty much did one thing. Film shit underwater. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And high praise, I'm just saying. But the first. The first. <laughs> yes, you have to keep yes sorry oh uh, no no and um and then i mean besides then the the waiter we've got just the two leads of andre gregory playing not you know playing himself but a, a version that both of them have been on record saying this isn't us but it is you know i i mean i guess wallace shaw is probably closer to playing himself well, in the movie than andre gregory i have uh some commentary on wallace shaw's um portrayal there okay. um that okay. i will I mean, we can do, do it now, I guess, but no, no, let's get to it. Yeah, but then, and 
the film was also it was written by both of them. Uh, right, and that's uh, yeah, that's about it. Based on um, based on recordings of conversations that they had both had oh, okay. over many months. Okay, apparently. Okay, yeah. 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 Um, so it's it's written by them, but in some sense, which is reflected in the film, makes sense. It was written by both of them in a very natural way, <laughs> gradually over time. You know, um, I love. Though obviously they they know each other, obviously they're friends from this. But I love how at the beginning in his whole like inner monologue, he's saying how he's pretty much like avoided him for years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just I, I mean, uh, well, I watched it on Amazon. It was the Criterion Collection, and I I love it. Just starts out was that like I mean it's the eighties, and he's walking through Soho. It yeah, like, it was right? definitely Soho. Yes, uh, a different Soho than yes. exists today. And the subway uh, was very. By the way, on that Amazon version, did you see like the facts that were scrolling? I downloaded it as well, but um, mine. Has oh it. no, I didn't. See My the Apple facts. phone. Oh. oh, wait, I don't have one, so it lets uh, me download... Apple's not a sponsor. I think you should probably... <laughs> we can leave Say, them off. If you don't have an Apple phone, you can download movies from any other app, and you're not in the prison of what they do. Anyway, so I downloaded it on Amazon, and the facts could scroll by on the left. Oh. And one of them was that they filmed it in a... Uh, an abandoned... Yeah, an abandoned um, hotel, hotel in like Virginia, Virginia, right? In the wintertime. And there was no heat... Yeah, no, that was it. Yeah, there's no heat, so they have. I love the part, the like. I mean, there's just the whole movie is a conversation, but um, that's okay. Uh, but I love the the conversation about the electric blanket. Yeah, and the I- irony of it all was supposedly on set. They had to use a lot of those to keep the cast and crew warm because it was funny. an abandoned that hotel is, that in Virginia. Is ironic and beautiful. Yes, I would like to. Re- I realized for a moment that I got off on a tangent when I started talking about meeting Wally Shawn. Um, so, Ooh, my initial Wally. reaction... Hear that? Wally. My initial reaction was... Well, that's a funny... I'm going to actually, uh, yet again, <laughs> be dragged off topic for a tangent. I will say that calling him Wally is one of those things that you run into, especially as an acting student, but just as a New Yorker, where... Like Bobby De Niro. Exactly. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Where you will meet someone who will refer to knowing Bobby, and you're like, you son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Like, how nice it must be for you to call him Bobby, you know, instead of his Hollywood marketed name. My far east side. (laughs) But, um... But no, I mean, it's just interesting to track because my initial reaction to the film was, again, I find him to be deeply fascinating and I'm taking a terrible cheap shot, but looking at Wallace Shawn as, let me throw this person's head up on a screen 16 feet wide, right? He's just not a movie star and neither one of them is. Mm -hmm. And so initially, the film, I was just struck by... Being, having these two sort of very strange people and this incredibly what, privileged... The, the entire thing is, oh, yes. right? I mean, everything to do with Andre Gregory is ridiculous <laughs> from the very beginning. And, and then, of course, you start to realize how purposeful that is, that, that the film turns. Yes. And they both become a little more complicated. And we get a chance to hear from Wallace Shawn and who says things more than just, mm. <laughs> tell me really. I mean, but right off the bat, though, like, privilege is a great word, because Walshawn, in, in what, three or four sentences, tells us that he grew up rich, 
you know? Yeah. He, uh, his wife had to get a job waitressing yeah. three days Someone had to bring in the money. So someone had to bring in the money, you know? Like, all, you're learning all these facts, and... He's 36, so, like, practically four years older than we are right now. He looks 70. Yes. <laughs> he looks older than he is now. And, like, I just kept thinking, you show this to a certain group of people... Yeah. A larger people, and they're like, "Fuck these guys." Well, you know, and that was me, and I, and <laughs> n- in no small part due to the context in which I was watching it, which was on my way to and from work on a thirteen-hour day yesterday, mm-hmm. right uh, after another twelve-hour day the day before. It's easy in that context <laughs> to feel extremely resentful, and this goes back to something that I very much wanted to make sure I got in, which is to speak in the film's praise. It reminded me of some of these wonderful, fascinating conversations that I got into in college. And I'm realizing there's a couple of reasons why that is. Now, one of them is that when you're younger, you're a little bit less aware of your own tendency to wander into cliches, right? You're, you're not there. just... Sometimes yeah. I just say things now, and I'm like, well, someone else has said that and far better, and oh, I'm quoting so-and-so there, and, you know, I I become more and more aware of how everything's just a retread, and it's not as exciting. Some of it's um, the sexual energy that comes from being 20 and meeting all sorts of other single people, and, you know, being, you're talking about ideas, but you're also just alive to be in each other's company in that way. But then lastly, so much of it, too, is that you have the time and the energy. That's and the, these the two one, men, yeah. one because he's not working enough, and one because he seemingly doesn't have to work, are in this restaurant having this grand, deep conversation about ideas <laughs> because they don't seem to have to feed themselves. No, right? I mean, yeah. even Wallace Shawn, who clearly <laughs> makes reference to needing to feed himself, ultimately, Andre buys his dinner, right? And yeah. he's the sort of person for whom rich people will buy dinner. Absolutely. <laughs> so there's, it's very masturbatory in that way, you know? Yeah, and I, I, I love, like Brian said in the beginning, that he says, like, this is a person I've been trying to avoid, but he's kind of having dinner with him because he heard from a mutual friend that he saw Andre just crying against, like, a wall of an abandoned building. <laughs> and so he's almost, like, in this moment that as, a, as he is struggling artist wants to hear he's heard some gossip and he wants to see what andre's been up to and so that's why he keeps not prodding is probably not the best word but andre says are you sure you really want to hear all this and he just wants to i think he almost wants like andre to like cry in front of him he wants to he wants to witness that and just is kind of just trying to hear all of this whole story and we almost get there by that as you uh alluded to he tells the story of being Allowing himself to be buried alive <laughs> as some kind of life experience, and yeah. it's just all very, again, just like the, the ultimate first world. I don't know. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Now, now John, I, obviously, we're all familiar with Wallace Shawn. You more than any of us. But were you familiar with Andre Gregory, past the name? Like no, in your okay. No, I had absolutely. I I, yeah. I, I didn't either, and I'm yeah. assuming Kyle. No. no, I'm not trying to be mean, but no. <laughs> I don't know how to read it. I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's... I, w- <laughs> wouldn't, I wouldn't have been able to tell you. I mean, I, I also just didn't know this film, so it's. But I wouldn't have been able to tell you who the Andre was, and even if you had then said, "Oh, it's Andre Gregory," I would have gone, 
Is that a fictitious? Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> okay, I, I just wanted to know if we were on the same page with yeah. that. Yeah, right. I think, yeah. Well, and, I figured. And, and then as far as me with uh, Walsh is pretty much, you know, the Princess Bride and, what, Clueless? <laughs> like, yeah. That's is he in Clueless? I have a school slumber party in a yeah. really long time. He's the teacher. Teacher uh, or principal? That makes no, sense. No, principal. Yeah, because the teacher, she yeah, sets yeah. Up them that's up. The yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Right. I, um, I should know more about that. That's in my area of expertise, but yes. I haven't seen it until I... Well, I've seen it. I haven't seen it in a while. Yeah. I'll wait until I do it on my show. I, I would normally ask my guests, do you have a favorite scene, but they really can't break this into scenes. The dinner Did you have scene. a favorite... Yeah. The, <laughs> ass. <laughs> Did you have like a particular like favorite moment or part of their dialogue that yes. resonated? Like I, I really... The part... like The dialogue that I liked the most, again, was what they had to say of the electric, the heated blankets. Like, that, to me, just as far as the deeper meaning and the metaphor behind it and just what society is turning into, even at that point, resonated with me the most. But did you guys have... Uh... I I found the best thing in the movie, the thing that, that brought me around to it and, and you know made it much easier and more enjoyable to watch through to the ending was when Wallace Shawn just says, what are you talking about? <laughs> I don't even know yes. what you're... Right? And when he just... I'm so grounds, happy it came to that point. When he yeah. grounds the conversation back in some kind of reality and really rather politely, rather yeah. uh, well, manages without being offensive to express his frustration and his objections to all of this, as I've said, intellectual... Ballyhoo. Yeah, I don't need to use the same word again. But yeah, this just intellectual fluff yeah. that's been being tossed around for the last hour. But, but, but Andre is, at the same time, no, he's aware of what he is sharing. Like, he has those check-in moments of, you want to keep hearing this? Or... Just like I can't believe that this was happening, or then, then you know, like, and then his, I mean, this, I mean, what, what are they? Ta- are they talking about the meaning of life in this movie? Is that what ultimately comes down for, or for them at least? Like, is that what the? I think how to cope. Co- yeah, coping with just day to day. Being rich and lucky. <laughs> exactly. No, but and Andre, <laughs> Andre is living his life via these much larger than your average life experiences. While Wallace is just like enjoying the every day, the cup of coffee, like waking up and the same cup of coffee being there without a roach in it makes him happy. I, like, <laughs> which is depressing. But yeah, there's something that I always I felt the same way. So we, I recently was a guest on Brian's show and we talked about oh, and I'm gonna feel the same um, inexpertise and foolishness bringing this up as I did in that film, but. You know, there's also something there about race to me, that there's something about, like, the peculiar situation of white mediocrity in this movie. <laughs> like, both of them, both of them have not achieved something that really, maybe that they, maybe a standard only they themselves set, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not implying that they weren't successful or that Wallace Shawn hasn't been successful, but certainly in this film in the characters that they're playing, right? Limiting it to that. Um, Wallace Shawn is, has cho- chosen this devotion to the artistic life, but doesn't, you know, it never really has taken off enough that he's able to make it work. He can occasionally get a play. And Andre Gregory never seems to have been able to get at what he wanted artistically, 
but has plenty of money. And so it's two different looks at, at the same thing. Um, it, and what I'm getting at is both of them seem to have had bigger expectations for themselves. But likewise, both of them are coming from this place of privilege. Like Wallace Shawn was born rich. He mentions that. So yeah. some of what he's dealing with is just that his life isn't at the level to which he was raised to be accustomed. Sure. Right? Well, he made a choice also to go into a field that isn't, you know, could, might not lead to right. prosperity. It's not just his failure. But yeah. what I'm getting at is that some of what he's dealing with is just the fact that he was set up that way. To look at it as, well, I ought to be able to achieve this, and instead I've only achieved this much, and mm -hmm. what is that? And in Gregory's case, it's like, well, I have all of the money, but that's still not satisfying either, and so I'm running into all of these other, you know, I'm going to really get at something with these trips abroad. Well, I almost looked at Andre as, like, could possibly the next, could be the next step for Wallace. Like, I mean, I don't know, I mean, they never really talk about Andre's childhood besides his mom being a I, Holocaust but, uh, survivor. Trust me. I think that if Wallace was in Andre's shoes and it has as much success as he presumably had, that he wouldn't be that much different. I don't think so. But I, yeah, that's that's true. I'm just saying, like, Andre, he had also his success in that realm, and he's just kind of become bored with it, and he's like, what on to next? Well, it has to be these... The next... If it's going to be better, it has to be bigger. Mm -hmm. And bigger to him at that point in his life is going to the Himalayas versus just, you know, experiencing... The cigar store. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'd love to be as successful as Andre and, and just be able to cry about a tree, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, that would be amazing to me. Conduct these mental experiments, but I have to go to work, you know? Yeah. He did, what, so in the he talks of stories of traveling to Poland where he wants to do these experiments of what what did he said he said at one point he wanted 50 first 50 jewish oh, women uh 40 yeah. yeah he he does a theatrical exercise with 40 women yeah uh who don't speak english <laughs> yeah uh and have some kind of complicated relationship with the theater mm -hmm. i'm not though like watching this as seemingly seemingly as jaded as you john like i'm listening and i'm trying to understand what he's trying to get at i'm not just like fuck this guy ultimately i'm like <laughs> okay but i'm like trying to understand like if i was in that position like what i was trying to understand especially the first time i saw this first half was <laughs> is this supposed to be a joke his story or is the story actually trying to get at something it's marketed as a it's labeled as a comedy yeah yeah but, but I see what he... Not that I agree yeah, with his methods or anything, yeah. but I see what he's trying to get at. Like, stripping all that down and seeing... What a great writing exercise. What a great way... Like, as a writer, I can connect to that. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying I would ever have the means or even the arrogance to get all these people together to play my game for my mental experiment. That, to me, would stop me. <laughs> but it is a cool idea to think about. I would love to read a paper like on yeah. the analysis of that. I've got two things to say. One being, I did... I'll let you have one. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's it. Podcast yeah, over. A, yeah. But <laughs> I love... Pick wisely. I love when Wallace says, asking questions always relaxes me. That made me think of you. Yeah, no, it's it like is asking, very true. Asking questions. But what, what do you guys think that so they wrote it, 
they, I mean, they didn't direct it, but this is definitely their film. What do you think they were trying to say with this film? So again, is it's a comedy drama? Are they almost poking fun at the world of theater, or just, or at least just showing the extremes of the world of theater and write playwriting? It's a good and... question, right? Like, because if they were literally like, we have great conversations. Let's film it. <laughs> you know, that's like a little bit arrogant. Yeah. You know? <laughs> a little? <laughs> <laughs> like, as is. If they're like, oh my god, we just play the recordings of ourselves, we sound like such arrogant idiots, wouldn't it be hilarious to film it? Yeah. That's a different movie, Yeah, you know? it is a different movie. Yeah. No, I don't, I, I, I don't know. You know. I mean, it's funny, right? Because to, to any... To, to some degree, any act of creation and writing is an act of egotism, right? We are sitting here on my couch, talking <laughs> yes. to each other, recording it, and exactly. expecting people to put importance That's to it. That's what I'm pointing out, <laughs> yeah. precisely. Yeah. But but it's interesting, because what, I'm, what I was going Levels. to do was to point out that this podcast is on one level, but this podcast, right, the other projects that you two have done in which I've participated, they're all taking as their premise that we are looking at someone else's art and reflecting on it, right? Mm. Not critiquing it, right? It's not about, like, I, you know, you don't review the movie. You give your opinion, but not in a definitive yeah, it's just, way. It's almost yeah, more yeah, yeah. right. just trying to understand it better, or just right. hearing, hearing what other people right. experience from it. Which is different from making a wholly original <laughs> Yeah, we're film. not trying to fix it. Like, right. there's rarely times that we've said, like, this would make this better. Right, and I just, I guess what I mean is just that it would be it's it's still another level of self-confidence and maybe hubris, which I guess depends on how well it works out, to say just our conversation about life <laughs> should be, right? <laughs> we uh, agree to talk about this one specific film, yeah. you know, not uh, just generally about... It's, but what it's is it about, undertaking. What is it say. about society where if we all did that in the name of comedy... It's okay, right? It's funny. If I said, oh, we're just going to have a chat, and I'm going to prod Kyle with some questions that are going to make him feel uncomfortable. Brian's and we're gonna, dream job. Yes, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> and we're all going to laugh at it. And, like, that's okay. But if I said, we're going to really think about what is life about, right. recorded, and every week we're going to go on the air and, like, solve racism and stuff, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, that, that's a different level. Yeah, issue, yeah, issues at hand. Like, I mean, and to even go into the world of podcasts, like Bill Burr, I'll say, podcast I listen to, and it's just you. He's a Massachusetts man, right? He, he's a Massachusetts man. Oh. Yeah, he's from okay. Boston. Yeah. Great. Uh, Boston, Massachusetts. Yeah. Yes, thank you. <laughs> and uh, for but, our international <laughs> listeners. <laughs> but he, he, yes, he, he, he rarely has guests on, and it's mostly him talking, but he's really, but he, as well as, like, not trying to solve things. He's just like, this is what happened in my life recently. And it's just like, take it for, you know, it's pretty for what, you know, take it for what you want it to be. But like, this is two people doing that for themselves. Like, it's really not them talking about anybody except for themselves. Yes. And so that, that, that to me is what was that point number one or point number two? That was point number two. Okay. Great. Was I doing points that time? No, (laughs) the first thing he said, no, the first thing was that, uh, the quote reminded him of yes. you. That yeah. asking questions makes Wallace Shawn comfortable. For, without any kind of great transition. One of the other quotes that I found really compelling, um, which I admit 
is because I've already felt this way, is their discussion about death. And their discussion specifically, there was somewhere in there, and I did not write down the quote, but where um, Andre Gregory advances the idea that we all die alone, right? That even, in other words, even people who are, you know, die in some horrible accident, but each of us experiences his or her own death alone. Mm -hmm. We have to deal with it ourselves. We have to come to grips with it ourselves, right? And this is something that I think about endlessly and have used, I mean, really far too much, right? I get made fun of often for being a macabre person because I think (laughs) about death every single day, several times a day, right? That's what it's meant to be in New York. I'm deeply paranoid about (laughs) all kinds of horrible accidents which will befall me, right? And those that I love. Um, I think about them all the time. But one of the benefits of that, the negatives being anxiety and paranoia, is I I use it to justify choices, that no one else is going to, uh, to die for me when that time comes. No one is going to step in and take that from me, and so I'd better live as much of my own life as I can, so that when I have to die... I can say, okay, well, I made my own choices, I got Mm -hmm. myself into this, and I don't feel suddenly, tragically, at the end, wait, I thought there was going to be a part where I'd get to do my own thing finally, (laughs) right? Which I think some people do. And I think there's something like that at the heart of this film, that they are, maybe, maybe they're trying in the same way that they discuss with their theatrical ventures, to wake people up a little bit, to get them to examine their own lives a little bit, in a different way, and and a way that's not like the films that they talk about, which are filled with violence and showing people how terrible the world is, Mm, because they sort of, they decry that, right? They say that those don't really work. It just confirms everybody's worst assumptions, and they go home feeling bad, Um, which I agree with, right? I mean, I I go about this, uh, go on about this all the time, and I see... Um, I don't know, the, the one that I endlessly, endlessly pick on and has become tiresome to anyone who knows me well is The Place Beyond the Pines, that I found that movie <laughs> to just be unrelentingly dour from the beginning, right? There's a little bit of hope when Ryan Gosling is alive all the way through, just down and down and down and down, and there's nothing redeeming and there's nothing that makes you feel good about anyone, and why even be alive at all <laughs> and i can't stand a film like that <laughs> and so this like i ultimately really do enjoy it because it's at least arguing on the side of life arguing on the side that life is worth living that we can get out of these yes. things no matter what you can find enjoyment in life you know in life yeah that there's yeah. That, and we have to work at it and we have to think about it and let's keep talking but it doesn't you know, the two men don't leave the dinner with the conclusion that um, that Gregory's entirely right. Yeah. That everything's just getting worse. We're all just going to become robots and we're living in some well, yeah, 1983. Yeah, New York right is before. a concentration camp prison that the prisoners built themselves. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who doesn't feel that way sometimes living here? But, <laughs> but no, I don't think it's no, the complete truth. And I think he gets challenged on that. And that's something that I really... But I mean, I... I disagree with you in a sense in terms of I mean just life philosophies well one I would like to thank you with your morbid reasoning of life for mm-hmm. making it so important to come here on a Saturday morning and talk with us absolutely uh, I hope at if the end of my life yeah. <laughs> I wanted to make sure that I had done X number of podcast episodes <laughs> but I, I like seeing morbidly depressing stuff as well I like feeling that you know it makes me feel more human to feel that 
as well. You know what I'm saying? Cause, oh, I get it. Well, that's, I mean, not to keep making it like a, a, a New York thing or something like that, but that's why I always say, like, I wouldn't want to move out to L.A. or just anywhere that there's no changing of the seasons. I like being reminded of that. Oh, yeah. I hate when people are like, oh, you know, it's always summer here. It's great. You have to deal with the winter. Yeah. I like dealing with the winter. It was really fucking cold the other day, but I was just like, ah, like I felt it. Like winter I, makes the spring so nice. You well, know, that's I what I mean. I was an electric blanket every day. So <laughs> well, then, I don't know. No, but that's, I love that, and that's really why I enjoyed that part, the the electric blanket conversation, because like Andre saying, like blanket. when you're when you're, <laughs> is that a brave little toaster, toaster reference? reference. Yeah. Uh, well done. <laughs> uh, but Very, movies I, that are often compared. I, I like fantastic <laughs> film. I, I like that. He, he, he was like, you, you feel more for for someone. You're like, you're like, when I'm cold and then you're sleeping next to me, like, oh, they might be cold too. And just like that whole realm of empathy, me being not the most empathetic person uh, sometimes. Oh, I definitely love that when it's colder, that, you know, snuggling is uh, more on the table. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's but, not in yeah, that? So to, so to agree with you, Brian, like I, I, I like that aspect of it too of this it reminding you but i th- i guess uh, i mean the message of this film in the end is just like everyone needs to find their own not purpose but it just fulfillment in life and you can find that from little things to big things and i don't think either i think Wa- i mean wallace definitely knows himself better than andre does right seems like andre's still like all over the place because then he I, talks I, I, I mean i don't know how you yeah. make yeah. that comment yeah i don't know um, so, so this is a good opportunity to mention the thing that I, I previewed earlier, which is that Wallace Shawn has said in an interview after this film was made that he put everything into his character of Wally that he wanted to kill in himself. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And, and so this idea of being someone, I guess, right, I don't really know what he meant by that like not fully but i think that it's something to do with this man's over practicality that his enjoyment only of the little things and and sort of not being willing to seek a deeper purpose is something that he he so anyway i just find that very interesting no it is very yeah he doesn't necessarily real wallace sean doesn't necessarily hold the perspective of wally if if you wrote this movie what would you put in to kill about yourself that you, no, I'm being serious <laughs> that you don't like to make your character of John Hart? I'll answer this as long as we're all. That's why going Brian's to a better host. I'll than answer. He, he's Definitely. asking the big question. Oh, sorry, um, I, I keep usurping. No, 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 no. no. That, that wasn't that, that wasn't any kind of. <laughs> uh, I I mean I would say probably uh, apologizing for myself. That sort of constant sense of needing to apologize for taking up space, for talking too long, um, all of that, those sort of insecure feelings and paranoia, I would put in there, and uh, closely, re- closely related anxiety, just my, my low-level anxiety about life in general. I would love to put onto the screen, because it's everything that I hate. Right, and, and sort of show people that weakness, I guess. Yeah, and, and that's what I was... I mean, I'm glad you said that, because that's a good... It's about weakness, right, a lot of this film. Like, that Wallace Shaw quote that you said, I didn't know, but once you said it, I'm like, oh, that makes a lot of sense to me, you know? The characters I think they're portraying are... 
not things that they're proud of, but things that they are, but that some of their weaker points, you know? Yes. Um, like, for me, like, there's tons of stuff that I hate about myself that I just am, you know? We, we don't have to make this a self-hating podcast. <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> no. look, I, I didn't go on at length about it. It's fine. But, no, 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 yeah, yeah like, I, like, you know, I'm... I don't like being phony with people in terms of if we enter a room and kind of like the small talk here, but even to a different level that I think is even too much. Like um, if someone's like, oh, how is the baby? Guy, friends of mine who just had babies, I'm not talking about you. I'm like, oh, that's great. He's talking about <laughs> yeah, he is, he is. Well, you know, oh, he's how is the He's got pictures and names that he's holding <laughs> up right now and it's a podcast, you can't see them, but yeah. we are getting a full picture. And so that sometimes it's perceived as a lack of empathy that I don't feel like I have, but sometimes it comes across to people as invalidating, you know? And I consciously am always trying to make an effort not to invalidate people. But wait, are you... Because now I'm a little lost. Are you saying that you want to be less bullshit, right? That you want to have less pleasantry and you feel like you are a faker? Or are you saying that you're not a faker and you sometimes hate the fact that you can't play ball when sometimes it would be easier? You see what I mean? I don't What's know the, the answer. Don't... <laughs> I don't well, know I the just, answer. I played a game where I said these are the parts of myself that I don't like, and you seem like you're actually... No, the struggle is that. Like, you, you do said... I ask the questions that... Not that I don't necessarily care about. I do care about, but... Well, you don't want to be misunderstood? Is that part of it? That's saying? fair, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, and hey, and we're old friends, and I say to you all the time, like, I don't know if you're being, like, sarcastic right now. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Like, I very much sometimes I'm like, I, I don't know how to interpret what you're saying right now, just as far as if it's sarcastic or not. And that, that might come from you loving Watching. the, the uh, character of Chandler. I was going to say, I watch too much Friends <laughs> and literally no, copy Chandler. You, just, you exist in a lower energy level. <laughs> In terms of where you naturally sit, right? Yeah. And what I mean by that is like when they talk about the way that a singer's voice sits, right? Like, uh, I have a baritone voice. That doesn't mean that I can't um, sing a very high note, hmm. right? Of course not. That's not what it means. But it does mean that if a song sits in a very high place, right? It's right constantly up in that upper register and it never comes back down. I'm going to have a lot of difficulty singing that song because... It takes extra energy for me to get up yeah. there, right? And so you're obviously very energetic and exuberant and all of these things, but I think your natural resting place is to be you're a little bit vocally. more... vocally. Yes. Yes. And so, Interesting. And so that, I think, is where some of that sarcasm, like, is he joking Fair. or not, comes from, right? That he's not... He, like, the same energy for not liking something and really liking something sometimes... Right, there's not a huge difference. Fair. Yeah, I, I mean, but so it's now not criticism. No, no, no. Now, no, no, I'm, no. Getting, now I'm kind of getting <laughs> an answer. Into it though. Now, yeah, exactly. Now yeah. I'm thinking of an answer to some when you originally questioned what I said. Oh, great, because you know, you know it took I'm me a little put bit some quail to process. Oh, thank God. Okay. But so I, small. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm content to eat every day of my life. <laughs> I hate sometimes the things I hate. I hate when people are saying things just to validate themselves. And ah. and that bothers me in a way I wish it didn't. 
Ah, okay. You know, when someone's showing off, when yes. someone's like taking a selfie and trying to look pretty well, or something, yes. that pisses me off, yeah. and I wish it didn't. Well, because because yeah. I'm like, why do you have to do that? Yeah, you know? I, I seriously. Why do you need yeah. me to be like, you look great? Yes. You know? Yeah. But because, yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's just, oh, no, I, I am definitely, I, we, we're similar in that aspect. I mean, everyone obviously has those things that like then irritate them and make them angry while looking, but there are, at some points, there some people are putting themselves onto like onto others and then just like say, you know like in, in, in that way but uh, uh, I, yes we're all annoyed by what we most hate in ourselves is yeah. that what you meant there yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah right oh, sorry continue <laughs> uh, no, me, no but, I'm just making sure I'm yeah. no no no, no. But, but but at the same time yeah there's plenty of things that I'm, I see people doing that annoy me that I'm just like that I, then I have the little enlightened moment of just like just let them have this Kyle just let them <laughs> yes. if this is what's making them happy and it's <laughs> right. not hurting anybody else yes. but then the one thing then but then it can get to like then the next time like well let's just let's just put it in the realm of people posting uh, pictures of their pets Mm-hmm. There, there's that. It's just like okay, they're sharing, and it's social media, and I don't need to be number one on social media as much as I am. Mm-hmm. I don't. I can also choose to unfollow them, possibly. Sure. Uh, and if that's what's making them happy, and they love their pet, but then also if I see that person and all they're talking about is their fucking pet, you know what? Everyone's <laughs> got a fucking pet. Mm-hmm. Every, you know, like <laughs> everyone's got the greatest dog. Yeah. If you adopted another dog and never knew your one dog. That would be the best dog. Look, I feel this way about children. Well, that, but I'm just trying to make it not no, as... No, no, no. I mean, because, I, because I'm an educator and I work yeah. in elementary school. I was going to say, don't you work with most children? Of the, most of the parents are great. Most of the parents are great. It's really, I have found... Now, I will grant you that I work with a particular subset of you know parents. It's very specific. Um, and, and we don't need to get into that, but... but Guys, he, I, he goes to Southeast Asia. I don't have the same. With, uh... I don't have the same exposure to the dealing with the frustrations of parents that a full-time kindergarten teacher does. Right? Yeah, I teach yeah. a couple of kindergarten classes a week and come in for specialized material. Right? That is not the same level. So I recognize it's worse for people who are doing it full-time, or they at least see more. But there are certainly are some parents who are exactly what you've often heard, which is my child, yeah. right? And my child would never have done that misbehaving thing. It must be that you yeah. are somehow not structuring the class in a way. In Those people should just fucking successful. homeschool their kids. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I hate that crap. Yeah. My child will definitely not be getting away with any BS, right? I don't mean, like, never. I That would be egotistical. I have no idea how hard it is. But I can promise you that I will not make this assumption that my child is always in the right and that he couldn't possibly have actually but, pulled that but girl's hair. But that sometimes can be a problem these days. And The other often, assumption? Often people are like, oh, you don't love your child like it's the best child in the world. Ugh. And it's tough, you know? What yeah, has my child do. done to be the best child in the world? Well, has he cured the cancer? The three of us do not have children, and that's the thing, and wow. we don't know how... Way to, way to out us. <laughs> we don't know how we <laughs> well, do. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, true. That we true. know about. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, that we know about. Old school guy, Joe. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. I mean, should I quote Wallace by quoting... Ingrid Bergman by saying, I could always live in my art, but never in my life. <laughs> Ingrid Bergman said that quote? Yeah. yeah. That's what, yeah. In oh, a yeah. film, no, right? In a film, right? Wait. I'm it, sorry. Wait, did Walt or did Andres? 
Well, we actually, the... actually, what happens is in the or... VO segment at the beginning, yeah. Wallace yes. says yeah. that he had heard from the friend oh. that the friend, who's not named, had come gotcha, upon Andre gotcha. Gregory crying gotcha. in the street uh, yes, after yes, yes, seeing, yes. I forget the title of the film. Yeah, me too. But, but that quote was said. I could always gotcha. live in my... Oh, yes. On the order of, of um, intertextuality and this film's relationship to other works of art, have either of you seen Our Town? Our Town. That sounds I, really Wilder. familiar. I've what? read it. Wait, so what? the reason I bring it up is because thematically mm-hmm. um, there's something going on in that play, particularly in its ending and, the, and the, what it wraps up to, that is much like the discussion um, with Wallace Shawn of the cigar store, right? And so to bring that back into focus, Wally says, basically, do I really need to go to Everest? Especially when not everyone can afford to go to Everest. Yeah. I could find just as much going on in the cigar store next door. Right? And I think our town kind of takes that as its premise in many ways. It deals with a small town called Grover's Corners, New Hampshire, I think, right? and deals with just the day-to-day life there. The end of the play, um, Emily, the main character, um, she's dead. Right? The play sort of leaps forward in time by quite a bit, and she's now passed, and is with the stage manager um, character, who is you know sort of this... You know, as you'd expect, if the world is the theater world of the play, then the stage manager exists outside of it, right? Mm-hmm. He's not God, but he's some sort of outside of the structure knowing figure. And he shows her, uh, like, her 12th birthday or something like this, right? One of her birthdays. And we go into that scene, and she watches how incredibly ordinary. And yet wonderful everything is, but how everyone isn't looking at each other. They're all just yeah. consumed with the business of the day, right? And they're not really looking at Taking each other, it in. right? Yeah. And she goes through this incredibly painful experience trying to talk to her mother who can't hear her, saying, look at me, like, look at me. We're all going to be dead in a few, you know, and all of this. And she turns to the stage manager after she's, you know, in this sort of Ebenezer Scrooge-like way, like, I don't want to see anymore, right? She says... Does anyone ever experience life while they live it every, every second? And the stage manager says, no. Yeah. Saints and poets, maybe. They do some. (laughs) Right? And so there's something there that's thematically linked, and it's a very powerful quote. Saints and poets, maybe. They do some. Mm -hmm. Right? That relates to this film, that they're talking about trying to experience life while we live it and as Gregory mentions very practically part of the problem with that is that it's exhausting like no one can keep it up no one can be completely alive and completely aware of everything that's happening at every moment yeah you know you get tired you you um, retreat back into something that's more uh, routine robotic yeah, ironically, what this—I mean, the the film being just two colleagues, two friends, catching up over dinner. That's how I'll speak for myself. That's how I tried to at least enjoy most of my life is by going out and having a meal with friends and catching up that way. I mean, obviously, you know, some traveling and just that kind of stuff too. But that is what I romance, romance, yes. romance. Yeah, there but, wasn't enough romance between <laughs> Wally Shawn and Gregory. Like, I kept waiting for a makeout scene. Yeah, I was waiting just like both reaching for the bread or hands touch. Um, can we talk about the waiter? Sure. 
<laughs> I mean, so I, I just... What do you have to say about the way? Well, I've, t- I've talked quite a bit, but just he's fascinating, right? <laughs> yeah, Is he yeah. not? He's, just, he's very yeah. much a character. Yeah. Um, there's something uh, very everyday. Somebody who's not indulging in this intellectual masturbation. Um, <laughs> just coming in at little... I like when he was pouring the wine and just very, like, just reaching over and just, like, the, just... It was odd. There was just, like, kept the glass... You know, it's a fancy restaurant. He's keeping the glasses on the table and just... Because this is a movie where, like, I mean, most movies, everything, you know, is a decision. But since it's just so simple, everything in this movie is decision. Yes, like, absolutely. The shots yeah. are, like, you know what's going on in every, you know. The yeah, sh- I was actually, shot. I don't know, I want to say surprised, but I was thought it was an interesting choice to film it with the mirror in the background. That and, you know, you, yeah. Sometimes then you see Andre's, the other side of Andre's face. The duality. Yeah, I don't know. That kind of meaning, but yeah. it was interesting because you know to film in front of a mirror. I yeah. bet you if we watched it, we could probably see the camera at some. Well, point. it's incredibly. Uh, I mean, the obvious one is that it's an incredibly self-reflective film, right? The entire uh, thing is about, is about <laughs> is <it> self. <laughs> I, but yeah, okay, I get it now. No, uh, yeah, I no, caught no. up. No, but, I, uh, yeah, no, that's that's like thematically, and then just from like a. I mean that that definitely makes filming it harder but that also helps with i you know what i think and this will go into what why most people will hang like a big mirror in a room it makes it seem bigger yes yes uh uh no not the above the bed reason (laughs) oh that's what but um but like to hang you put a big mirror in a room to help it the room seem deeper and bigger so i think they they might have done that for us because otherwise a film that has very minimal shots and it's just between these two people mm-hmm. for what an hour and 50 minutes like it just it, it would seem too claustrophobic i yeah. did find myself pausing this every once in a while and being like how much time is left not yeah. in a because i didn't like it but just more curiosity of like these guys are fucking going like i mean i i love to chat as much as the, you know i have a podcast but <laughs> it's this the thing i enjoy about this movie most as we talk about it this is what i love doing podcasts because i try not to have a hundred percent formed opinion until i discuss it with people and okay so there's this show i think it's on true tv or something i think i think so because i watched a lot of impractical, impractical jokes. Jokes. Oh, it's not and impractical. it, it, it <laughs> comedians say their sketch and then, like, people act it out. Like, there's actually a scene filmed of it. And I think it's trash. Because part of what the fun of listening to a comedy routine is, mm-hmm. like, imagining in your head, you know, like, what things are. I hate when, on podcasts or on radio shows, they get the creative idea to have, like, an animator animate the story out. Because then that puts a picture in my head of what it is. And it was so much better when... So for this film... I'm picturing what Chiquita looks like. I'm picturing what Debbie looks like. Yes, okay. It, yeah. the, there's a second movie playing in my head around these stories. And I love it. Yeah. Like, the, like that, uh, what was it, like a Buddhist monk who could lift himself. Yeah, the Japanese Buddhist with, his, Buddha, with yeah, the two fingers lifting With, with himself, his fingers, yeah. or the people in Poland, that couple on the ground who yeah. are like embracing each other. And they we put flowers him put on him. Yeah. <laughs> God, I cringe a little bit when he said that. <laughs> no, I know. But <laughs> I love... Around the time when Wallace Shawn also is getting like, <laughs> in super tight close-ups while he like slurps potatoes. <laughs> and I was like, I find this movie revolting. I, yeah. But I think you have to 
picture the second movie in your head, because why the hell would you just be watching two men just fucking eat dinner and not yeah. imagining the words they're saying? And they didn't, right. don't very much eat at all in this film. It's like, I think even when the waiter comes, I was like, oh, the quail's still on the plate. Yeah, like, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't think it's intended for us to be like, ooh, what are they eating? No, like, exactly. It's, Although not, it was it's a, a foodie seafood, film, but it's a, yeah, not really. It's know? a seafood pate, a potato soup, very good, yeah. and uh, and the quail. The quail. Oh, oh quail! Smaller and than... then two espresso, <laughs> yes. which I greatly approve of. Um, some wine. Some yeah, we also have the... Um, I just wanted to off of, we were earlier discussing the waiter for a minute and I just like him another hint towards the larger world towards what a sack of bullshit towards the movie like not taking itself too seriously which I like is him finishing the cigarette at the end as well oh. everyone else has gone home and the waiter is smoking yeah. a butt you know <laughs> I guess there's something in that that's very funny but he's like uh you know all right got to get these guys out But of Kyle here, to the point you were saying you know how it feels longer than it is at times. Yeah. I mean, they, I think they make that point too. They're like, "Oh, we've been here for hours and didn't you know? Didn't yeah. realize it. <laughs> yeah. And we know the exact length of time they were there. And he know? treats himself to a cab ride, <laughs> which I like. Well, the other guy bought dinner. So. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But so I mean, overall, we 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 enjoyed this film, and we would. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that isn't in the film, and it's fine. But one of the major things to me that isn't in the film much is some sense of them wanting something from each other, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't. There isn't some greater motive that is ultimately revealed, other than perhaps to get the other person to share their point of view a bit. Yeah, this isn't right? a rekindling of like a friendship in a way. This is, this is not, you know. Yeah. Like you would think, like possibly that could be a pl- because he's been avoiding him and he's curious, but it's just more or less. They might avoid each other again. I mean, there's some things there that yeah. seem yeah. like they make them both uncomfortable in the end. But I, I guess what all I'm saying is it just would never make good fodder for acting material because sure. it's it's not, you know, it's not motivated by the other person in the room mm. so much as just stays in the heady. I think that was very realistic though, because just from us doing podcasts. And this is not no insult to nobody in the room or an insult to nobody I've ever had a guest or you've ever had a guest. But 90% of people are listening like 20% and the other, what percentage is that, John? I'm kidding. 80%. <laughs> I really I really was going to yep, say 75. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the other 80% is loading up the next idea, waiting for the next yep. pause and saying it. And I, and I get, I'm getting a little crazy because I'm doing this so often that I'm seeing it in people's hands. I'm seeing it in the tension in their neck of when they're ready for <laughs> that idea. Or just or, or, as they wait. Or like a, a, a little... And I saw it a lot in this film. Yeah. And I was like, that is so super real. They have lines, yeah. so it shouldn't be that way. But I, and especially in Andre Gregory, like he, when Walshawn is speaking, he's listening, but he's so ready for his counterpoint that he's not even waiting for Walshawn to finish. And that we as human beings, I do it. We all do it. We as human beings, we just do that yes and, yeah. and it, we're all guilty of it you know yeah well i mean i guess that i think about that a lot right but it, what's funny that i'm if anything even more guilty of um i hate when i feel that people aren't listening to me that they're just waiting for their chance to speak and yet i also will say in their defense I'm not saying things as perfectly efficiently as I ought to, you know? And that's one of the things I find very satisfying about these kinds of films. Um, and I want to talk uh, about... I'm going to just put a pin in this, but I want to talk about Linklater 
uh, about Richard like oh, oh okay uh, yeah, because but yeah but for I think obvious, said length later no for <laughs> obvious like, reasons but one of the things that I love about a film like this is that it's I read a review this morning I think maybe in the New York Times uh, from like 1981 which said the fact that they don't sound the fact that normal people don't have a conversation like this real human beings don't talk this way is a sign of a failing of society and not the film I'm not going to go as far as that but what I'm getting at is one of the things that I love going to films to see is great conversations with all of the inefficiencies stripped away everyone says exactly enough in a really good film so like to a, express like the Sorkin, idea you're like a Sorkin guy then no <laughs> no no felt, well, he goes on yeah. and on <laughs> Oh, I see. No, but you were fi- being ironic. I can't tell with you because of the energy. <laughs> uh, no, but fi- I mean, yeah, film is. I mean, it's escapism. So, I mean, that's. I mean, that's why there's. This isn't. I mean, I don't know what this would fall into, like, subgenre-wise. But there almost needs to be, like, th- this is a kind of film that obviously you're you're going to you're going to like or you're going to not like I don't think there's like a real middle ground for this kind of film you know as far as well I don't I don't think and... I very I don't think there are too many people who are going to watch the whole thing and be like I don't like it because I think the people who aren't don't like it or gonna, are yeah. Not, yeah are not going to be like this is just not for me I'm leaving yeah. you know unless you're in the theater and you, you know or you're expect but it is called my dinner so it's just like so I guess it is kind of like it's, <laughs> you're not going to start watching and be like oh well what are the other Scenes gonna also. Yeah. I mean, if you watch the trailer, <laughs> then like you do see that it is just one place the right. whole time. I don't know. You know. No, it's like I see a, what yeah. you mean, though. You're not. You're not. Um, you're not bait and switched. Yeah. And which yeah. is there's a lot to be said for that, right? There's an awful lot of trailers and promotion in the world where you go to see a movie and realize they tried to sell you something yeah. completely different just to get your butt <laughs> in the seat, and that's often a time when I would leave. Yes. You know, right, yeah. I don't walk out often at all. Very rarely, but if I were, it would be. They marketed this as a comedy, and <laughs> I can tell now that it's actually like a darkly funny, really sad movie, <laughs> you know. And that wasn't what I came for. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, to me, this is like a writer's dream, though. Like, not even do it, just being able to write that kind of dialogue. Yeah. So maybe like, oh no, show me, don't tell me. In the well, dialogue. to write it and then to have it created, then to see it come to fruition. Maybe, maybe um, not. You know, um, I, hopefully, but. I'm past believing that that's possible. <laughs> Funny detail about the expense of movies. This single location, two-hander, essentially, cost $475,000 to make. At that time? Yeah, wow. in 1981. And that's why it's a depressing, depressing field. I just like <laughs> they shot it over two weeks. It wasn't even like, well, there were a lot of shooting days. Yeah. Wow. It's cost a film. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fil- yeah. Yeah, and probably pay your actors and the director, and you know, I don't know. Yeah, but I I don't. If Wallace Shawn demanded like a lot of money for this, I would find that inconceivable. Yeah, like fuck (laughs) him. (laughs) (laughs) Really. All right. Well, wait. uh, No, we can't wrap up. Well, we're not wrapping up on the film, or no, we're not wrapping up on the podcast. I got worried. But we are wrapping up on the on the film. <laughs> okay. So do you have any any last words on Kyle's, the film? Kyle's producer walked in. Okay. No, I just John wanted out. to. I want to talk about Richard Linklater <laughs> okay. at some point. But we go for it. No, no, go go for it. Because then we're, well, we're gonna, I, yeah. very I topical just, to my just, show. Just yeah. and it's a, we don't have to get super deep into it because it would stretch into other films, right? But 
one of the things that I find notable is just to recognize, too, that I'm seeing this film backwards. Because I've watched a bunch of Richard Linklater movies, which are full of this kind of... Um, this kind of drama or narrative, right? The entire Before series. Before Sunrise, Before Sunset, yeah. and um, Before Midnight? Yes, yes. Before the that's Devil the third one. Right? <laughs> now, they do something clever, and you can see how those movies have evolved from this, because they make it uh, a romantic narrative, so you have something you know more intimate to follow between and, them. And, and rooting for. Right. right, and they travel. Right, even when they're in one city, they walk around, and yeah. so you get changing scenery in a sense of. I mean, I love those movies. I think all well, three of those. This are is fabulous, the stripped down but, version of all those kind of movies. But and but also this was the groundbreaking, right? Yeah. Like Linklater has cited this movie as mm, being Cassidy. extremely inspirational and useful in his own work. That's interesting. And so there's something in that that's really exciting and just worth noting when you mm. watch it. That if you've seen other movies like this, you have to remember. The same way we talk about horror movies and what's or, scary then versus what's scary now, right? That yeah. These people were inventing this idea. Or the biggest like films of all time, Star Wars, and like kids experiencing like even for, like the newest Star Wars movies. Forget even the prequel trilogy. Like then you go back and you watch and, and like as a like the kids kids now will be like, oh, that's boring, and that's not you as know, much like, happens. But right. it's like that's 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 the Right, the without oomph, this, that's, there that's, is yeah, no that. There is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. Somebody's got to first break the idea before someone else yeah. can say, oh, let's maybe, again, this is only one argument, but improve it. Yeah. Do right. you think, with that being said, do you think that this is ironically kind of an Andre Gregory-like experiment, you know? Oh, like the experiments like he wants to do in the film. Not to like... that level, obviously, but like, what if we just did a film that was just us talking in the conversation and yeah, and, you know, yeah, like, definitely, yeah, 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 yeah. So I agree. Just, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, interesting, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, think about. I I can't remember if I brought this up earlier, but specifically, they have a conversation right at the beginning of the film in the first fifteen minutes or so. They talk about performing yourself. I know everybody's performing, and then they do it again at the end. They bring up what is a wife. What is a son? Yeah. By performing these roles. Huh. They themselves are performing themselves. <laughs> That's what's happening. That's literally the movie we're watching. That's really is, funny. I'm yeah. going to perform Wallace Shawn and you perform Andre Gregory and oh, ha, 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 those are actually our names and I reference my actual girlfriend at the time. Um, oh, dear. I forget. She was a published Debbie. writer. Yeah, but Deborah, um, she's in the movie. She is? Yeah. She's in the movie. Um I didn't see a woman on screen. If I can get it quickly, would this Deborah Deborah the Eisenberg, test? the acclaimed short story writer, um, who plays a dark-haired diner that Sean glances okay. at as he scans the restaurant? <laughs> yeah, she does not say anything. Gotcha. I, um, didn't, I didn't even see a woman on screen. No, she's there for just a moment. But um, you know, and and Andre references his wife in real life. He was married to Mercedes Chiquita Nebelthau, right at the time. Gotcha. And so, mm. like the entire thing is incredibly. Meta theatrical and and strange. Did they it divorce? Must have been bizarre for the people that knew them to watch. Do to you be know if they divorced? What did they divorce? She passed away in '92. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. No, because I would be like, that's really awkward because he talks about maybe not being with her anymore. Right. His real wife, like. Yes, I see what you mean. Right. If this were the place <laughs> in which we saw it, no, they stayed together. Okay, I was just curious. Yeah. No, of course. Yeah, that would be. That would be. So, like, imagine referring to your actual partner, in a work yeah. of art. 
and questioning As your relationship. yourself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. I would think that would make my partner feel very uncomfortable. Yeah, it's all really <laughs> strange. I don't know. <laughs> I think in general people give themselves away like that all the time, though. And it's fascinating. Oh, I, my God. I don't want to get into it, but yes. Well, I had a, so I had a conversation <laughs> once with a friend, and I just remember so clearly um, she and... She and my good friend Connor had been dating, and they had broken up, and I sort of sensed that something was, was weird. They were, we were all hanging out as friends. It had been a while, but I sensed that there was some weird energy going on with her, and I was like, hey, like we're all changing locations. We're going from this bar to this restaurant. Ride with me. And so on the drive over, we had this conversation, and I remember her talking about this guy and how she'd felt controlled and all of this, and, you know, that that she just didn't feel like... And she said, I mean, like, he never even once introduced me to Mike, who was this other guy in our friend group. And I remember at the time thinking, mm. Mike, what the hell does Mike have to do with anything? <laughs> sure enough, right, like, a month later, I found out that she had been secretly seeing oh. Mike... <laughs> for quite some time. Ooh. Are you, saying, are you saying real names, by the way? After the relationship. Is yes, I am. Okay. okay I, I, didn't, I didn't know if that was cool. But uh, No, but it's after the relationship. This is all deeply, deeply far under the bridge gotcha. at this point. Okay. Right? Like, this is, you know, they're, they're like, she's married and, and he's somewhere else and everybody's fine. But, okay. But, you know, I just, I don't know. I've always remembered that as one of those strange things that somebody just completely will give themselves away all the time. Yeah, no, you're right. And the, like the arrogance of artists even more. They do it right. in their art and it's like... <sighs> right. I mean... Not thinking about themselves as human beings at the same time. Don't want to get into ethical topics about this here, <laughs> but just, just watch a Woody Allen film. We'll put it that way. <laughs> and we'll close the conversation on that. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> so, all right, so... We, Richard Linklater. I'm I'm this, satisfied. This is, sati- just, you can't, it was the first thing I thought of when I got about 15 minutes in. I was like, oh, this is like Linklater sure. films, which I like. I love those films. So that's my dinner with Andre. We all enjoyed it. We'd recommend it. Hopefully, yes. we we uh, you know aren't. Well, I mean, we're living it in some ways, right? I don't know. We're all living it. We're all living it. Or are we? Is it a government conspiracy? <laughs> but we all have to face our deaths alone. And that's the important part that you need to remember. <laughs> all right. Well, now we're up to uh, the famous food scene segment. So, John, I've, I've made it simple. We've uh, got two two options. So choose one one or the other. Okay. You I'm chose choosing Kyle's left hand. Left hand. You took the left sterile before and went yeah. up the wrong way. So that's true. Just I'm just, yeah. Well. You follow the left hand I'm path. just sinister. So the famous food scene is... Ah, the potted cranberry juice scene. So we're gonna we're we're gonna potted yeah cranberry juice scene. Yeah, yeah. so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna watch that right now, and and then we'll uh, we'll discuss a little bit. I can just recite it for you. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, Uh, my girlfriend drinks it when she's on a period. (laughs) You ruined it for everyone. All right. Uh, Oh, you haven't seen the Departed? (laughs) Where you been? No, no, no. He's no cop. He got out of the joint three weeks ago. Cut cop. No, no, no. He's, he talks like his shit don't stink, but he's good people. Well, I knew his father. I liked his Uncle Jackie better. Jackie was all right. Uncle Jackie was excellent. Mm. Fucking guineas. Mm. Uncle Jackie. Uncle Jack. Slanger. Cranberry juice. It's a natural diuretic. 
That girlfriend drinks when she's got her period. What do you get, your period? I'm the guy that tells you there are guys you can hit, and there's guys you can't. Now, that's not quite a guy you can't hit, but it's almost a guy you can't hit. So I'm gonna make a fucking rolling on this right now. You don't fucking hit him. You understand? Yeah, excellent. Fine. 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 I fucking know you. I know your family. You make one more drug deal with that idiot fucking cop magnet of a cousin of yours. And I'll forget your grandmother was so nice to me. I'll cut your fucking nuts off. You understand that? Yeah. Yeah, I do. What are you drinking? <clears throat> Cranberry juice. What is it, your period? Get him a cranberry juice. Hey, fuckhead, it's Jackie's nephew. <sighs> what? Oh, fucking what? Get the fuck out of here. Nobody cuts better to music. That's that scene like you, like you just said right when we finished watching that that such a perfect scene. I think it's just a perfect scene, but it's a perfect scene for Ray Winstone, right? That, mm-hmm. that's a, he's awesome, and I mean everyone's awesome. That scene we actually uh, worked with uh, Dave Connolly. Shout out to Dave. Uh, you, you acted in a scene with him. And, yeah, he's great. You know, God bless him for saying fucking guineas in the scene. Oh, God. <laughs> Yeah, Ray Winstone, like, just, I know that Ray Winstone's had his own career and, you know, got nothing, doesn't know anybody, anything, but it's pretty cool to be playing a scene in which you're kind of in charge. Oh, yeah. And Leo's in the scene with you. Yeah. You know, like, things are just, like, Leo's playing the lead, and so, granted, that's often the lead's role, is just to let things happen around them. You know, they're the, the surrogate viewer, but still, like... Ray Winstone just commanding that entire bar that way. It's this, pretty cool. The I mean, scene yeah. practically has like everything except for romance in it. I just love it's just like a slow boil, then it has its violence, it starts, and not starts, but like it has a great joke and like a, you know, a punchline to it. And I know it's not politically correct, but every time I drink cranberry juice. Oh, yeah. It comes to my mind. Every time I order cranberry juice on the airplane. That's like my go-to airplane thing. Oh, no. I drink a lot of drinks on the airplane that I Well, you just love juices in general. I'm a juice guy. guy. Less now. The acid reflux is kicking in. (laughs) And I'm sure that's why you listen (laughs) to the show. Foodie films. Yes. Acid reflux. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Thoughts on the scene again? Nothing. I I just, I love (laughs) what, you got the Allman Brothers playing in the background in a Boston bar. I'm surprised you haven't done the Almond well, Brothers as a little thing on your Instagram. <laughs> well, and, should, yeah. and the the on-the-nose choice of cuts with the Almond Brothers. Yeah. This might be your man, right? And does that mean that Leo should start working for them? Does it mean 
that Leo's finally found his connection to get his way into the criminal underground, yeah. right? It's like, is Ray Winstone your man? Is Leo your man? I know you. I know your family. Yeah. Just, he's just so... Even, like, that's uh, not a guy you can hit. Yeah. You know? like, I mean, I'm a guy that can tell you, like... Uh, yeah. And again, no one cuts better than music than Martin yeah. Scorsese. And people thought that this was, like, a movie that didn't deserve best picture and just thought they gave it to Scorsese because of, you know, his outstanding career before it but this I, I rewatched this movie recently and it's it's so good it's 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 one of those I mean I this is the genre that I love for Scorsese to direct the most and it's just an outstanding giving the scene alone uh Kevin Cor- Cor- Corrigan I think is how you pronounce his name but the one that plays Leo's cousin in the oh, movie yeah, 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 stirring yeah. the sauce and Goodfellas they'll definitely cover that scene someday <laughs> But he, he's just, he isn't talking this scene, but he's just awesome in this movie. And then Ray Winstone, like you said, he's taking the lead while you've got Leonardo DiCaprio, one of the biggest Hollywood star names, even at that point, but definitely now as well. Right. Uh, but then, I mean, then you got Martin Sheen, you got Jack Nicholson yeah. in this movie, Alec Baldwin, Matt Damon. Yeah, the it, only. It's, it's, this movie is fantastic. I think the only thing I'd say about it is that there are certain parts of that movie where you catch them swinging really hard, right? Like, you know, like really swinging for the fences. There's some very big acting moments, no surprise, with those guys and they're sharing screen with Jack, you know, <laughs> yeah. encouraging it all. Yeah. Like, it's it's very, very big and it doesn't always... But no, I'm not saying this to, right? Like, overall, it's tight. It's, like, narratively clear for being kind of complicated, yeah, and there's a lot of great lines, great music, obviously, always Scorsese. Mm. It's know. it's a great well, it's a great uh, you know uh, remake of a it's a you know Chinese film and yeah. Inf- uh, Infernal uh, Affairs. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it's so, um yeah. What's your favorite Boston movie? Being a Massachusetts Bay man. I mean, probably that one off the top of my head. That are, the other option, by the way, was Goodwill Hunting. Another the, Massachusetts. The, um, uh, Goodwill Hunting I is. I like them apples. Yeah, that was. Goodwill Hunting is also <laughs> definitely a good film. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the that's town. definitely a good film too. Mi- Mystic River. I'm trying to think of that. Just all Affleck related. Confess, <laughs> I haven't seen. Uh-huh. You know, I I admit that. Um, but uh, I'm trying to remember. I mean, Gone Baby Gone, I don't really care for. Like, I, I thought I would like it, but it didn't yeah, ultimately. Is that a Boston film? It is, yeah. It is? Yeah, okay, yeah. I didn't even remember. Yeah. Well, it's Casey yeah. Affleck, and, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's Ben Affleck's first directorial. Yes. Yeah, yeah it's now fine. I remember. It's fine. Um, gotcha. I'm trying to remember if there's another one that take, I like. Take the year. Think about it. All right. Well, and, uh, last but not least, we'll move on to our. Uh, is Cheers a movie? Who's your Ted Danson in Cheers the movie? And don't say yourself. <laughs> um, of stars. <laughs> so you don't really have to yeah, do that exercise. <laughs> Take the year. Come back. To <laughs> this year, I love this year. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, so uh, I took the year. I took a year <laughs> off from work. Soul Search went to the wilderness of Poland and yeah. tried to figure this question I out. I came back with my favorite Boston movie and my <laughs> casting of Sam Malone. Yeah, in the movie. And it couldn't be me. Well, you guys know what's coming next. That I'm referring to the, the listener. Well, you, Brian, you know. I yes. think John knows that. Um, the segment, Gut Instincts. So I've got uh, some questions that just whatever comes to you first. Brian, you can... Yes, and this will just be directed to John because I've done Gut Instincts before. Yes. 
Favorite fast food? Uh, cheeseburgers, which is interesting because from where? Like, oh, more uh, of the establishment. I don't know, Shake Shack. Okay. Yeah. I was gonna say, John. You I'm literally cheese. just saying what pops into my head. So you and yeah, cheese. no, that's yeah. So yeah, that's, nah, I should so- mix. <laughs> Thank you. Moving on, Zaxby's. Go, that's my favorite. Go fast to food. alcoholic beverage. Whiskey. Favorite childhood snack. Pizza. Sweet or savory? Sweet. Favorite food city? Chicago. Mm. Favorite cuisine? What popped into my head was pizza. That's obviously not... Well, yeah, no, it's... I mean, look, I'm lactose intolerant now, but still, pizza. (laughs) I make it work. You power through like me. On a special occasion. I get it. It's still the best Then that might move into the next guilty pleasure food. Well, there, yeah. Uh, Ice cream. Ice cream. Okay. Jesus, yeah. John. Just a berry. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, my diet's terrible. Favorite condiment? Ketchup. <laughs> and I said that this would play... It's all I, very tightly centered around a theme, very clearly. I said, I said this would play until later in the podcast. What's the last thing you ate? Uh, uh, croissant <laughs> from Dunkin' Donuts. Hometown Dunkin' um, Donuts, New um, England. Croissant? croissant? Yeah. Did you go out to eat last night? Or, or uh, I did. Yeah, I did. Okay. More interestingly, yeah, we went to a, a sake bar. Ooh. And I had um, some pork gyoza um, mm. and some vegetable gyoza, uh, some tuna tartare, and some Ooh. seared tuna. Wow. Um, we doubled up on the tuna because of a service accident. <laughs> they brought us <laughs> one of them by mistake, and then did we you, were able to... Did they to, charge you for it? No. Nice. We were able to connive our way into getting both. Very nice. Mm, that's interesting. I'm always afraid to do that. But I guess you, you've worked it. Um, I then, didn't do it. My okay. my friend did. I'm always afraid because I'm just like, oh, I'll just take it, whatever. You yeah, know. <laughs> right, exactly. What would be your last meal? What would be my last meal? Yeah. Huh. How far ahead of my own death am I? It's not like you think about death a lot, so. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> like, is it like instantaneous after the meal, or do I have several hours to contemplate my fate? Uh, this matters. You have... You're on death row. They let you right. choose when to have your last meal. So, yeah. But that still sounds like I've probably got some time because that those executions take forever. No, they said you could have it right away. Oh, and they they're they, they giving you the choice. me that I am like you're a political prisoner. They have to they have to kill you for for because you know. Yeah. I know, so that... but there's so much pomp and circumstance in a political execution. You see what I'm saying? Okay, if I'm going to die more or less instantaneously, then I would probably have like. Fried chicken, okay. mashed potatoes, a chocolate milkshake. Wait, so what? Why? Why? What is the change? Because I'm gonna feel terrible. Oh, okay, no, no, and no. If so I'm that is, die, that's yes, that is the. I will give I you that. At least you, rather go out. You you will not feel good. uncomfortable from the um, like. Right. You have to eat like the human like it's not yeah. nonstop the human amount, yeah. but you won't feel any discomfort from. Great. It. Then I would have super high end gourmet restaurant fried chicken like okay. those kind of mm. places. Fried chicken. Creamy mashed potatoes, a chocolate milkshake, um, and I don't know, just a ton of bread. Just a ton of like bread and olive, you know, spiced olive oil. What's your favorite so, kind of bread? jeez. Uh, um, I mean, most mostly I eat. I guess rye. I love rye. I love a good yeah, rye. I love a good rye. Yeah, yeah, good rye loaf is excellent. Do you prefer to uh, dine out or cook at home? 
Um, I like eating out. Yeah, I like I like dining out more than cooking at home most of the time. Um, mostly because of New York apartments. Like you're, you know, you cook at home and suddenly your whole place is roasting. Right, it's way <laughs> too hot in there. And they say when you cook at home, you taste the food three days later. It's because you know it's in the <laughs> yeah exactly the smell I like that. and <laughs> another thing about New York like cooking at home isn't even that much cheaper a lot of the time weirdly you know depending on where you go of course but uh, you know that kind of thing yeah. I just I love eating out and letting somebody else clean up. What's your favorite snack to have at a movie? Um, Twizzlers. Mm-hmm. What would be your spirit food? What food like really symbolizes and just mirrors oh, who God. you are as a as a person, I, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Mashed potatoes, maybe. Irish, Lumpy. reliable. Yeah, I don't see as good a mashed potatoes. <laughs> you jerk. Um, yeah, reliable. Always delicious. With, always better with a little butter. Dicks to the ribs. Yeah. I see him as a steakhouse mashed potato side, though. Yeah. Okay. Know? Yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. yeah something. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's something better there, but <laughs> you accompany it well. Yeah, not not the sure. bo- not the Boston. Why not? Mashed You're potatoes. dead to me, but sure. <laughs> and last but not least, what? Because uh, this 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 episode we didn't really talk a, a lot about food, but I'm I'm interested to hear this. What is the greatest lesson you've learned in food? Oh, yeah. So like just in the you know from your everyday from yeah I mean it could be always stir from the bottom. All right, I'm gonna take that as a metaphor too. Definitely sure. a metaphor. <laughs> Yeah. Definitely a metaphor. But yeah, that's the most important lesson about cooking that I think I was ever taught. Is right. always reach down in there and stir from the bottom. Very Perfect. True. I like it. Well, guys, thank you so much for coming on. Brian, obviously, thanks for being a, a part of it. And John, happy to have you on for the first time. My pleasure. And what a great film to talk about. Yeah. Uh, please, right now, uh, I guess, John, if you'd like to go first, please plug away anything that you're working on? Or? Sure. Um, yeah, I'm doing um, a Romeo and Juliet with, uh, yet again, another show with Puppet Shakespeare, which goes up, um, I believe, on February... Let me double-check my dates. I caught, caught out here. Yes, okay, I am correct. February 22nd and 23rd at the Players Theater in New York. It's down in the West Village um, at 10 p.m. It's a late-night comedy show. Um, it's not your traditional Shakespeare um, maybe as the name Puppet Shakespeare would uh, imply. <laughs> so I'll be doing that. And then uh, on a bigger stage, I'm going to Boston in April with Commonwealth Shakespeare Company to play Mercutio in uh, their production of Romeo and Juliet. So awesome. that'll be very exciting. That's a more traditional um, production of the play. Yeah, so I'm really excited for spring and for summer. I've got a lot of work coming up. Right now, I'm mainly just grinding away, you know, doing a day job. and, and uh, Gotcha making some money. Nice. And Brian? One more thing I'd like to plug of John's. Around a month ago, he was on my show, High School Slumber Party. Ah, yes. He guested on a very... I was very sick at the time, so you'll hear my voice sound different. Those of you who are not familiar with me. But it was a fantastic episode. You educated me a lot on O. Well, really, Othello. Yes. Which, very faithful adaptation we learned. Yeah. Is his name Othello in the movie? It's no, Odin. 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 Odin James. James. Yeah. yeah. But it, Call him o. They were going to call the film Odin, which would have been silly. Yeah. But yeah. no, we had a we had a blast doing it. And of course, my show is High School Slumber Party. I talk about high school films. We have a good time. Kyle, you've been on a ton of times. Yes, you'll be on again. 
You were just also recently on Superbad. I was, yeah. Fun episode. Very Super fun. good. Super good. Made that the same was the record on the episode, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Broken record. Don't you hate that when you just... see like the back of the DVD and they put a review and it's just like a like awesome or yeah th- that would be super good yeah. it's like okay now i'm gonna buy this like <laughs> i hate that four stars next to it <laughs> and uh and of course uh, t- tune in to our uh, ps i still love hoffman where brian and i are you know reteaming to cover we, we give you guys uh, the option to vote on what film we're covering for february it was uh, either punch drunk love or along came polly the hoff fans spoke and we're uh covered uh yeah this episode will come be out after that so check out the episode of punch drunk love uh february 1st came out and we have our in-between episodes where we announce yes next week's episode and that's the most my dinner with andre project (laughs) we currently have because we just kind of we announce the winner and we just kind of talk about whatever's on our mind in the meantime Yeah. yeah yeah nothing crazy those are really short episodes if you like short things you'll enjoy those P.S. I still love Hoffman. Yes, which is on the same feed as P.S. On, I love on the Cage Club uh, network, uh, CageClub.me. That's CageClub.me. <laughs> and John, we have a little uh, catchphrase. No, catch, catchphrase <laughs> for the uh, to or sign-off line for every episode, and that's "There's more to cut." So if you could just uh, tell the uh, the foodies out there that there's there's more to cut. Ladies, gentlemen. All other folks, there's more to cut. Thank you. Yummy, 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 I got love in my tummy And I feel like I'm loving you Love you such a sweet thing, goodness